We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. No mic today. And we're recording at the tail end of uh, of a blowout, and we're on the wrong end of it. Lakers came out, and they were up by five at the end of the first half. They defended well. Started small. Started with AD at the five and four guards, and they were up by five at halftime. And then D, the second half, they completely fell apart to get blown out by by the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think you and I are simpatico of this loss being of a certain nature, and yeah. I don't think it's going to be the last one this season for a number no. of factors. What, what happened tonight? I just thought the Lakers, they look fatigued, man. They look tired. They look tired physically. They look tired mentally. They played two overtime games this week. They're down still a bunch of rotation players, including LeBron. I also thought some of it was... Minnesota's like not necessarily a quality team like the Lakers had some juice for Charlotte I thought like oh up and coming team well, we just Ball. had the Portland game too right yes. we, like it didn't even have as much to do with Charlotte is like yo we don't want to play like we did in Portland yeah and but I think it was a combination of both of those sure, those sure. those things but definitely the Portland loss looming for them right and then the heat I think that's sort of like a measuring stick game for a lot of teams in the league and the Lakers looked prepared for that game. And I thought that they coached a certain way too. Like they put AD on Jimmy Butler. Like there was, there was a few like, Hey, we're getting after y'all tonight a little bit. Um, and, and so look, I was disappointed by the sort of um, the magnitude of, of the run that the Wolves were able to go on. Um, but the combination, I think, of young legs from the Timberwolves, some some skilled players, Towns and D'Angelo Russell, they, they started to hit shots. They started to get their mojo going a little bit. And I wrote about this at Forum Blue and Gold. I just thought this was one of those games that I didn't expect them to win this game. And I wrote as much. And did it get a bit out of hand? It did. It is it surprise is the outcome surprising? 
not really. Some of the stuff is a bit irritating, but it's, it's like flush this one, man. Like it's what it is, really. Yeah, like you said, I think we're going to have a few of these this year. It's a combination of a few factors. We have to be playing fast to be really good. That's our us at our best nature, you know. And when we're not, we're we're going to get beat. And in order to play fast, that's one of the things about the experience of watching it or, or even, you know, at the game or at home that it's very easy to look at basketball as uh the same way you would watch or or play like 2k right where the players are constantly at this same like let's talk carmelo anthony for example yes. tonight judas could not hit a shot staples mellow right now he's gonna regress to the mean naturally but like all his shots were short he was struggling that is one of the many signs we were talking in the in the second quarter i believe it was where it's like yo this lineup in particular is really slow to every loose ball and so yeah. minnesota is getting every single loose ball when it's dwight on the floor with mellow with rondo and the thing about legs is like once they're gone they, they don't come back. There's no like try harder or you need to care more or anything yeah. like that. Like once it, and there have been a couple of times this season, and it sounds like this excuse, right? Like oh, they were, it, but yeah, no, like, it's is just, this where y'all are? Like that's what my Twitter read just out. Like oh, look at Laker fans. Like is this where you are? And like oh, it's only November. And no, no, this is a natural phenomenon in the NBA that I think we're going to be more exposed to than the normal team due to the age of our roster and the speed that we need to play at so we're gonna have a few of these this year and and on top of that being shorthanded right like that's how it's it's a cumulative effect the other time i thought we were really our legs were really fried was the collapse in oklahoma city the second night of a back-to-back right after an overtime game in san antonio very similar story right and so that's going to be like it's not an excuse it's just a way of being bad right like that is a weakness of our team and we are going to lose some games as a result of too many old dudes played too many minutes in too short of a period of time well also too there's there's physical fatigue and there's mental fatigue and sure Next Man Up is this great idea, and I thought that I think you saw both the benefits and the drawbacks of Next Man Up in the Heat game and then this game against the Timberwolves. Against the Heat, there was a freedom and this ability to say, hey, man, I'm going to get my 25 or 30 minutes tonight and I'm going to play loose and I'm going to play free and I'm going to get after it defensively and we're going to compete. And Lakers went out there and they got a win that they probably shouldn't have even have got even after Jimmy Butler got hurt, mm-hmm. honestly. That said, this next game, it's sort of like that cumulative effect of, OK, well, y'all been asking me to do a little bit more now for how long? And I've got to stay locked in mentally for how much longer now? And the shift that was supposed to be a, I was supposed to be a 10 minute player or a 12 minute player or a no minute player, really. And now I'm a 18 minute player or I was supposed to be an 18 minute player and now I'm a 30 minute player. And that idea of, of, Carrying more than what you're probably supposed to carry for an extended period of time. That's just rough, man. Like, what's LeBron miss now? Four straight games? Five Five. straight games? Five, yeah. He's probably not going to play on Sunday. And so he's missed half the Lakers games 
this season. I hate to keep going back to all of the injury stuff, but this is what it is. Yeah, this is one of the, it manifests itself in all these different ways, right? It's, we talk about weird lineups. We talk about guys being asked to do something that's maybe a little bit out of their comfort zone, but there's also that cumulative effect of that player that's supposed to play two shifts now playing four, that player who's not supposed to play at all playing, you know, 56 minutes over two nights or over, uh, over three nights in two games. Right. And so that is the way that it hits you is in all of these, all of these different ways. But yeah, that's why the collapse is so severe as well. Is that like, once it's gone, it's gone. Well, the dam breaks on Sunday. Yeah. The dam breaks. Yeah. The dam breaks. And then once the dam breaks, it's like you, there's not, there's not enough structure. And, And so this is what I feel like is, this is what told me that things were really awry is that there was a certain amount of focus and execution that existed in the heat game that totally vanished against the wolves. The Lakers got away from really running any of their structured sets that like a couple of folks broke down. I think Alex and um, Cranjus both did video work on on like the Lakers horn sets that they were running and they were really successful running some of those sets against the heat and they had run horns too against the Hornets I saw maybe two or three horn sets this entire game it was just winging it for most of it yeah and so there was just a lot of like oh well let me drive into nowhere and throw the ball and it wasn't just Russ that was doing that. It was Malik Monk that was doing that. It was AD that was doing that. It was Ellington. It was Rondo. It was Bazemore, right? And there was a weird deflated, F, like, accelerant to some of this that was going on too, right? So like, oh, another open shot that missed. Like, oh, I had a layup and it rimmed out. And that stuff starts to weigh on you too. And then suddenly you're like, oh, well, we were up five and now we're down eight. Well, And, and now part we're of down too 11. The team that you're playing is on a six game losing streak. And all of a sudden, like, they're like, oh, we're on a 13-0 run. This feels good. And yes. we're doing it at Staples. And you saw how Town- Towns always does this when he's in these types of situations, right? Where he's beating his chest and having a a, a good old time in that third quarter, right? Like when a young team that starts to feel itself a little bit and hasn't had success in a while and is on a a lose. And if Minnesota has anything, it's legs. They've got a lot of young athletes and McDaniels and Vanderbilt and Edwards, of course. And so all of a sudden in that third quarter, they start seeing these opportunities and this kind of wounded older animal as, uh, as, as it were, and they're going to pounce on that. They're going to attack. And that's exactly what happened. So in a lot of respects, it's like this perfect combination to completely collapse the way that it did. Yeah. And, and, and so this is why I'm just not upset. Someone asked me on Twitter, right? Yeah. Like, Oh, where does this rank on the DDS scale? Right? Like I wish Mike was here so that he could ask the question about where I'm at with, with the displeasure. And it's like, LOL, man, like, like it doesn't register at all Yeah, on that list. I'm a bit annoyed, I guess, that it was a 40 to 12 quarter. But, but honestly, it could have been 30 to 12, and that would have seemed same totally difference. reasonable. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter that two more of their threes went in and they got an extra offensive rebound and a basket and then a, and then a foul in transition that where the Lakers didn't run back and there's your 10 extra points it's it's like it doesn't make a difference once you get to a certain level and 
you saw it coming. That's the thing is that in the second quarter, they were late on slow rotations. On they everything. were just slow. That's another slow. thing too, D, is that this is this week in particular, and I want to talk about this in the second second half of the pod, take a broader view at the week as a whole. Um, the emphasis has really been on defense, right? Like Vogel's been hammering a lot of points about containment and low man, and his defense requires a great deal of energy as well. That's along with the pace we need to play at, along with the older players. All of these things factor in very high on the, uh, the strain and stress that it puts on... I, I wonder, there's no way of quantifying this, how much our injuries have played into our style and to this, this pace and, and all of that. I think that we should get into that in the second half of the pod because there is a taxing that exists with the way that the Lakers want to play. And Vogel, On defense in particular, yeah. Yeah, and Vogel's not even shy about saying that that's the case. Like his whole mindset is we're going to play harder than you every Mm -hmm. night. Like that's a pillar of what it means to be a Laker under Frank Vogel. Right. And and so will that catch up to the team in the long run? I mean, maybe they're down so many guys right now that it's, it's, it's like I had to catch myself to not respond to some people online because there's this sense of like, oh, it like the Lakers haven't looked good this year or this roster like, uh, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't really fit. And it's just like we haven't seen the roster. We've seen 12 guys who are out there playing. Right. Um, it's not always the same. The same 12 guys every night right sometimes it's not even 12 sometimes it's 10 the other night it was nine right um but this this reinforcements are coming right like we got some good news before the game Vogel said that LeBron is is truly a day-to-day guy now and so in theory he could play on Sunday I doubt yeah, that if he it does, wasn't a 1230 game like, yeah yeah that's the thing where it's like is he gonna come back at 1230 probably not probably not but I saw Broad celebrating on the sideline during the last game right doing sure. the little like ACDC sort of guitar uh-huh. riff celebration <laughs> with the three yeah. and almost doing like first down celebrations right and I was just like oh he's he's working out the the abdominal muscles there so he looks like he's pretty close to returning. So it was good to get so, some good news on well, on that front. But guys are going to come back. It's not going to be this bad all, all of the time. And with more guys, they will have fresher legs and the proper slotting and a better minutes distribution and a lot of things that are put things back into the proper order. But but let's go to break because yeah, I do, do want to talk about some about just the taxing nature of well, of the defense, the asks on on that level, and then maybe get into Baysmore a little bit because I think some of, for some of the guys it's starting to spill into other parts of their game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, D, when we started this week, the Monday pod, we were like, hey, Lakers are screwed. That was the Friday pod, the, the one before, right, with the injuries yeah. that you were just talking about. Lakers are screwed. We might not win a game this week. And we went 2-1 and one and got a couple of good wins along with the collapse that happened this evening. Bigger picture, what happened this week? I thought the Lakers made a fair amount of progress. Like, this... This Friday game against the Wolves is, is going to seem like a big step back, but I don't really view it that way. This game Neither was more I. of a one-off. And I think it'll be hard for a lot of people to look at it that way because of how it, it, it mirrors some of the other games. But those games to me were much less acceptable. Like, yeah, you were pissed off after those. Although I think there's similarities to that OKC collapse. Again, Like I just think that our legs just go at some point. I think it's going to happen a few times. Yeah. But, the other games, there were like, man, like, what kind of mistakes are y'all making? Or yeah. where's the effort in general? And what I saw this this game wasn't a, like, we're not trying. It was a, I'm actually trying, it. but I don't have it. I don't have right? it. Right? And I've watched enough basketball to know the difference. Yes. Yeah. I'm not saying that other people don't have that discerning an eye, but I feel like I do. And so I know what that looks like. And that's what that looked like tonight to, to, to me. But big picture, I feel like the Lakers have been making progress defensively. And I think that they've started to find more things they can go to offensively that work. I've liked the integration of Wayne Ellington. I've liked some of the stuff that they've been doing with with Malik Monk. When Mello has been a part of like catch and shoot actions and, and some of the like screen and screen the screener stuff that the Lakers have have been doing in in off ball work I've liked what they've been doing so to me there's been incremental steps forward that I think help start to put the puzzle pieces together there are still pretty big pieces of the puzzle who aren't available yet to play and so it's always going to continue to look like a work in progress but but I've seen Things that I've liked and I've seen more things that I've liked than I've disliked. And those are positive steps to me. 
But where are you at? Have you, like I'm assuming you've you've liked some some of the same stuff, right? Yeah, v- very similar. Especially defensively, I have less concern. I think one of the solutions to the lakes problem, one of the reasons I've advocated for a zone is not necessarily the efficacy of a zone, but like it fries your legs less than chasing over the top of screens and containing and rotating and low man and all of that. Like just for a a broader view, big picture, I think that having a zone look and obviously it has basketball purposes as well. But I think that for this particular team, there needs to be some sort of pressure release off of the, we need to play fast. We, um, we're an older team. We need, you know what I mean? Like all of these factors that kind of that play on fatigue in in a a player's legs. I think that being able to alleviate that at points of the game will be, will be helpful. That said, I am less in the camp now of, of like, Oh, these guys can't run this. Like I, I was very close to that, you know, a week ago, like, like this, none of this ain't going to work at all. You know what I mean? A lot of the, we, we had made some progress on the low man stuff. Um, we progressed within Vogel's system and that is something that we are going to have to be able to switch. I do think we're going to need a zone look at some point, but to be able to run what Vogel does as one of the things that we do, that was the big development for me this week, along with, we got a real nice sample of what do the Russ and AD lineups look like? What works around them? What doesn't? Uh, I think this kind of goes into Baysmore a bit, right? I know he's he seems like a guy is very much in his head right now, but the particular nature of the player he is, I have some questions now that I didn't have at the beginning of the season about his fit alongside our stars. So I'm curious, what what are you seeing with him right now? Yeah, and I don't want to get too much into him because I'd love to get some of Mike's thoughts about Bayes as well. But just in relationship to like this game specifically, and then the last couple of games this week, I have seen a player who is struggling mentally as much as physically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's And maybe even more so mentally because he's been making Bazemore is always going to be a bit mistake prone but when he starts to get in his own head and second guess or when he's like not finishing very well and his shots not go going in and he's not getting as many touches um I feel like there seems to be a compounding effect for him where his overall level of of play suffers and he is still competing out there and in a way we've made this comp before but he's very like early early lakers tenure kcp yeah to me there's an anxiety that comes with those types of struggles that's very similar between them as well right like that i'll always remember that in game two i think it was of the series last playoffs against phoenix where kcp was just really pressing and lebron came over and gave him a pep talk like that seems to me to be the headspace that Baze is in right now yeah is that like he's super frustrated with himself can't get a shot to fall and that the more that becomes quicksand right where you the more you're in that mindset the more you're struggling the more the next time you catch it and are open for that corner three and he's been open on a lot of those that you're pressing you know and and it's even harder to make that shot danny green went through this in the bubble for us and so this is a a thing that shooters in particular and he's not a shooter in the way that like a danny green is but that that can really get to a a player that said we got a lot of guards on this team d like i I know you don't want to get too deep into bays in the no but we can keep keep going because i think it's gonna i I mean he's gonna be a topic of 
discussion, man. Like he's the only guy who started every game, I think, mm. this season. And and so maybe Russ, him and yeah, Russ, maybe Russ, Russ, right? right. And so he has been a fixture in the lineup, but when other guys' minutes have been extended during some of these games, it's Bezos who hasn't. And where we thought he might be the guy who is just like, oh, he could be sort of this glue piece, this natural fit between the stars on the team, it's proving to be less so that um, than what I think we assumed it would be based off of what his skill set is. Why do you think that is? I think that there's, you've brought this up before, that there's a certain amount of chaos that Bayes plays in. And that chaos can be a point of strength for your team and, and it can be something that takes away, right? And what one of the reasons why I think that he's struggling is is that you can only have so much of that on the floor at any given time. And Russ probably brings enough for a player and a half. Such a good point. Yes. Right? And and so you almost need even more control around Russ. Less of that sort of like, oh, I'm going to put stuff on the table, but take stuff off at the same, same time. You need guys who maybe don't put as much on the table, but, but don't take basically anything off. This is a great point. I love this. Against the heat, I thought it was especially noticeable how much Russ and Bays were both sort of overrunning defensive coverages. Like they were, they were both cheating in the same exact ways where it was just like, no man, like you can't, you can't go under there or you can't try to cheat that or you can't like run over the top and chase too hard because then you get the the guy then back cuts and then runs the hand off the other direction right like there's so much of a of of a stay locked in that he has drifted a bit too much and i always equated that to decision making mm-hmm. but some of that is just like what do your instincts tell you and it's not so much because you're not going to be thinking a lot out on the court. You don't want a guy thinking a lot, right? But so you want his instincts to be sound. And his instincts sometimes sort of tell him like, no, now's a good time to reach in. And it's really not. You know what I mean? And it's to make an NFL analogy, like Russ and Bay's defensively, that tendency to overrun is like having two safeties that really like to go for interceptions. And so they're going to come forward to try to jump that that slant or that passing route. But that makes them susceptible to a double move or getting yeah. beat deep as a result of that aggression going forward and having two of those guys next to it. And so that has value. You want to force or th- that has value. You want to force turnovers. You want to this team certainly wants to get out and transition. But I love the point that you made about like Russ alongside stability versus chaos, right? Now, I do think that there are there are some ways to rein in multiple agents of chaos. We had that pod earlier, all, all in the same lineup. I think that's when you're trapping and flying around, which at this point of the season on a night where we get blown out, in large part, we both believe at least because of, you know, they just don't have the legs. That's not feasible to do on a, on a regular basis. But I do think that there is some application for a chaos agent and another chaos agent, but your Russ lineups, that idea of there being stability around him, I want to 
lock in on that. Just like what I, I want to talk about that just as, as the last thing. I view Russ as kind of like a battering ram or a directed shot of energy toward the defense, toward the opponent. And the intent of that is to loosen things up for the next round of reinforcements to come in behind him. Am I making sense in in this like analogy where Russ, if you direct Russ toward the defense with his speed and his power, then that we've seen that with the trailer threes, with the, yeah. the wing threes, it opens up opportunities for yeah. LeBron, for AD. No. We've we've talked a lot about how uh, AD's, you know, finishing in the paint and off of the alley-oops, how he's been throwing them open, right? Like it's all, but if there's two guys operating in chaos in different ways, they kind of, they kind of uh, clash with each other. And I think that like, if you look at the Westbrook Bazemore lineup data, it's not very good at all. And part of that starting lineup stuff. But I think, I think you you really are onto something there that I want, I want to talk about more. I just think that, and there are just sometimes where you think something's going to fit and it doesn't just work and it just doesn't work yeah. as well as you'd imagine, even yeah. when skill sets are fine, right? Because there are just little things that, don't allow things to mesh as well as you would hope. It, it's almost like, like you looked at, and th- this is where, so I'm going to channel Mike here and I'm going to go in the opposite direction. Like we've always talked about, Oh, who are the types of players that thrive with LeBron James? And like, Oh, the shooting and spacing and like, Oh, you see how well he played with a guy like Mo Williams. Right. Or, or all of these, all of those types of guys. Right. But who did he have the best chemistry with? It was Alex Caruso, right? Like this dude who doesn't shoot well, who doesn't like, he's not the prototypical guy that you would think would actually fit next to LeBron. But then when they were on the court together, you saw all of the synergy that they shared together. And so it wasn't a skill set thing as much as it was a, no, this dude just gets it. He understands and they see the floor the same way. And that was within the context of stability, right? Like that is precision thinking. And LeBron and Alex both sort of saw the floor the same way in that precise way. When you go in the opposite direction and you sort of talk about this, an analogy that I've used is coloring outside the lines, right? Russ is maybe the most coloring outside the lines player the Lakers have had since I don't even know when, man, honestly, like since like young Kobe, maybe, right? Like it it really is that, that extreme, just, just sort of a, no, I'm just going to go out there and just freelance or do what looks like free well well freelancing and a re- one of the reasons why I thought Phil Jackson ended up being the best coach for Kobe wasn't just because oh Michael Jordan and all of those similarities it's that ability to put someone into structure where they need the structure but that still gives them enough ability to freelance within the structure Right? This is and, exactly what we got to do with Russ. Absolutely. And, yes. th- and that's why I think some of the horn sets have been working really with good. Russ. And mm-hmm. it's because there's mm-hmm. a certain amount of structure there, but it still allows him to, to color outside the lines at times, right? Like, oh, I'm going to throw this lob or let me throw that skip pass or I'm going to, I'm really going to dig in and dive into this big man right here and throw it behind me because I know that Carmelo is there, right? There, there's a lot of that going on. 
I think the organization of that is part of why it works is that it's not just make any read you think is it's like three reads on that play, right? Like yeah. you're gonna go, gonna do this, this, or that. And that really simplifies things. And he'll he'll be able to feel that as he's driving to the basket or you know, reading the defense. He knows his, you know, reading the the contain man, reading the weak side tagger and how to do all of that. And so I think simplify that structure provides simplification. Yes. And that's something something that and and really when we talk about this past week and what was accomplished in that last week when you brought that up that was really like the simplification of we're going to run these few plays over and over again and get good at them i think we're really onto something in that respect me as well and so now when i get back to so let me bring bays more back in to this now right bays was to me it's no coincidence that bays had one of his best seasons last season for the warriors where there was a certain amount of structure, but a certain oh, amount of freedom point. within that structure, right? And it gave him a baseline idea of what I'm going to be doing offensively. He got to touch the ball a lot. He would bring it up sometimes. He got to play in transition a little bit more, but there was just a lot more of the, I'm involved with things. And this year, there's been a lot more standing in the corner for him a lot way fewer touches and i feel like he is not gotten into the same sort of rhythm and flow of the game as often and then when he has to press he or when he gets the ball he does start to press a little bit more and he's not as look he out of all the guard sized players he is the least amount of guard <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes austin reeves played point guard in college malik monk has been a ball handling shot creating guard basically his entire life even wayne ellington has that i'm a professional shooter guard skill set and which even includes his passing right on his they chase me off the three-point line i'm gonna drive gonna kick There's off the pocket pat everything the whole pack, he, Wayne doesn't have every pass in the book, but he has every pass that a shooter needs to have. Yes. Every single one of those. Oh, you closed out on me low and now I'm throwing over the top. Oh, no, you're coming at me high hands because you think because you're, you're closing out. There's the pocket. I'm relocating now. He's got all of that stuff. Right. And Bayes isn't any of that. Right. He has more of a forward skill set, but he's basically the size of a big point guard. He's basically Russ's size. So there is just less that he can do on the court as a like, oh, let me attack this closeout and then reverse pivot and spin and kick to the corner. Like, no, that's not that's not his game. You're asking him to do too much there. And so in some ways, I thought some of that limited stuff would be like, hey, let's take some of the decision making out of his portfolio, right? Like you no longer have to do that stuff. You get to stand over here in the corner. You get to play defense hard. Every once in a while, you're gonna get some some open shots, but I feel like that hasn't come as naturally to him coming off of what he was asked to do last, last season. And as much as I thought he would find his way, he hasn't yet. Now, He's not competing any less hard because of that. He's mm -hmm. he's still going out there and trying his ass off, really, within the things that he's asked to do. The success just hasn't been there as much 
especially in this last week and a half. Before that, though, I was happy with the way he was shooting the ball and, and all of that, but he's lost his way some a little bit. And in combination with some of the rust stuff that we've seen with some of the ball security stuff and and and, and just sort of the I'm going to be a little bit ragged at times that Russ is just that's just a part of Russ's game that I don't think it's suited Bays as well like there's been a little bit too much friction like like met like how when you put a magnet two magnets that are on the same side and they sort of repel against each other. Like that's, <laughs> uh-huh. that's how they've been working together lately. And, and it hasn't been as good as a fit. That doesn't mean it can't be, but it hasn't been. And I think it accounts. And I think that that speaks to some of Bayes' struggles a little bit. In my I, opinion, I, I think that's spot on. And I, I think throughout this season, especially as we get LeBron back in particular, we're going to start having more conversations about, the difference between the start of the first and third quarter and the middle of the game like that the middle of the game is a more open style of basketball that i think some of our players are more naturally suited to and i think that bays may be one of those guys so i'm curious the degree to which vogel is flexible with not just the you know we saw ad start at the five tonight but just beyond that if if that's something where he'd try somebody new at at that position so that be curious to to see that so anyway bad night in terms of a lakers collapse but a pretty good week overall and with this game tonight i think you and i are you know on that same page of they didn't have their legs there's going to be a few of those this year and that's uh that's something that's going to be a part of this season so anyway everybody have a good weekend we'll be back we got a game on sunday against the spurs we'll be back on monday to recap that but until then you've been listening to laker film room podcast we'll catch you guys next time Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Here by McLaughlin. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Shot with his eighth block. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, Unbelievable. the victory. It's over. And shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.